0: Listening to Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast, a part of the Brightside Podcast Network.
1: Welcome, everybody, into the valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined as always by Philip Russell and Ryan Shutt, and joined a little special occasion here. I wanted to think of every fun nickname I could, but I thought the most accurate was the Godfather of Phoenix Suns podcasting, <laughs> the King <laughs> of Brightside, Dave King. Dave, how are you doing this morning, sir? And thank you for being here.
2: Hey, man, I'm doing great. This is my old time slot. You guys are kind enough to keep uh, providing for the masses and and getting people, uh, giving them them their Saturday morning time slot back. And uh, hopefully you guys will make it as as fun as I did.
0: Dave, Um, I got to admit, I was a little disappointed we didn't get a Michael Jordan-style press release that just said, I'm back um with you coming out of <laughs> retirement for this weekend.
1: Yeah, I would say where does this rank on shortest retirements of all time? I mean, Tom hey, Brady was oh, in no, the this running.
2: This is just one I, time. This is just I'm, this is like the Brady <laughs> Bunch coming back and doing, you know, random reunions that nobody expected. Uh that's all this is. So Well,
1: we're glad to have you um for those that don't know, I know we've talked about it many many times. Dave is the one responsible responsible for getting us stuck here on Brightside uh for all you listeners who were confused when a random podcast showed up and everyone was very frustrated that's all Dave's fault guys so <laughs> if you are annoyed that you're getting a podcast that you didn't maybe sign up for uh feel free to send all the complaints to Dave and for those that enjoy it send all the praise to Dave as well he might take credit for some of it um and then a little little housekeeping our man Philip Russell if you are watching on the YouTube channel you may notice there are things lying on the floor behind him uh that do seem a little too childish for a grown man. Philip <laughs> is on dad duty this morning. And so you if you have hear...
2: to, you don't have to explain. It's okay to like those things. <laughs> I,
1: if you hear be who you want to be, if you hear random cries, coos, other general That's also noises, the babies <laughs> make. No, it's going to be weird. Is the random destruction that it's going to sound like because she is tearing up my office right now. only thing better than a baby is a sick baby uh i can't wait to see how things are going at philip's house because that baby is not having a great time but she's very cute still and we got that going for us here uh and then weirdly enough those same noises will be coming from ryan's office no explanation provided on that one and none needed Um, absolutely (laughs) well gentlemen we have um a good bit to cover, but also we we kind of got lucky how the games worked out. We weren't able to record last week; had a, a few uh, family related issues going on there, and we're back. We got two weeks of hoops to cover, but luckily the Suns were kind to us, and they didn't give us eleven games to cover. We've just got six now. If you've been keeping up with the Phoenix Suns, you may have heard that they've not been winning a lot this week, though. The last two weeks, we actually have two wins to talk about, which doesn't sound like a lot. Averaging in one a week, baby. Until you look at how things have gone the last few weeks. And so for that, we've got a pretty exciting slate to talk about. For those who may not be able to watch or check the scores, we're going to hit you with a quick recap over the last two weeks. And then we're going to open it up here. So since last recording, the Phoenix Suns lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers 112-98. Uh, to 98. Followed that up with a win, which makes me very happy against the Warriors, 125-113. And then three losses to the Nuggets, to the T-Wolves, and to the Grizzlies. Nuggets game was a blowout. Grizzlies game was a blowout. T-Wolves was close, yet still frustrating. And then closing it off with a win, a big win, and probably the game that will get the most attention today, beating the Nets 117-112. And Cam Johnson came back. And honestly... If we spent the whole time talking about that, I wouldn't be bothered at all. But gentlemen, a lot of stuff I think noteworthy or interesting in that slate of games. So uh, Ryan, I'll go to you first. What was maybe a big takeaway, first thing that stuck out to you? Uh, and we got we to gotta do our best to not just talk Cam Johnson the whole time from the get-go. We got to save some of the goods for later.
0: I, I think to me, it's just the fact that these guys, we're playing with 10-day contracts. We're playing with our second and third string bigs. We're playing with a bunch of essentially what our utility Hey, that's players. a
2: mean thing to say
1: about D.A.
0: <laughs> oh, Dave, hey, Dave, Dave, Dave retires and he's like,
1: I'm taking <laughs> shots I'm early.
0: You know, so it's I, I'm I've been impressed, not to say the outcomes have been impressive, but I've been impressed with the, the way Monty has been able to utilize what we have with the limited resources we have to at least stay in the mix a lot of the time. Now, to your point, there were a couple of, of blowouts there. Uh you had John ja Morant flexing on on Sabin as if that was some big accomplishment. Yeah, can we talk I, about that
2: for a second? I
0: I I have as my note for that. Somehow, Jaw is simultaneously cool and incredibly annoying, and he does both every night. I, like, How much no...
2: shit would Devin Booker take for the rest of his career if he flexed on a ten-day dude?
1: I like the idea of Da doing like a little hook shot over him, and then doing like the two small as he runs away to like a ten-day <laughs> point guard. It <laughs> is. It was so corny. Actually, a... Da a fadeaway hook. Shot. That's true. But hey, here's the deal, though. <laughs> The Suns don't have to do anything about it because apparently Shannon Sharp is on a one-man vendetta against the entire <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies. If, if you guys haven't caught that from yep. last night, Shannon Sharp, um, somehow too muscular for a 2XL cardigan, was out and ready to fight anyone. He kind of so showed, showed up looking like, like
0: somebody's auntie to that fight, too. Like It I was, was great. Like, what is he doing? It was great.
1: He he seemed to be the voice of reason there. Uh, I think LeB- actually this week was a lot of crap being thrown at the Grizzlies. LeBron had his kind of, I'm not going to call it a tirade, but LeBron kind of told them to shut up until you do something worth talking about. Uh, Shannon Sharp, obviously, a Hall of Fame football player, could have destroyed any of them except for maybe Steven Adams. I think that one would have been remotely close. And the somehow the, the general news cycle still still loves it. Um,
0: but to, to Dave's know. point, like if, if Book did that, he oh, would I... be clowned relentlessly what it kind of reminds me of is like when russell westbrook comes off the bench uh goes like three for 13 and then rocks the cradle on somebody after hitting a mid-range jumper like it's, it's when you're down 38 yes like it was just i it was one of the corniest things i've seen in game in a in quite some time it was a very interesting, interesting
1: thing. We have some other uh, basketball etiquette to talk about. You know, what's a on. really <laughs> great thing though about that uh,
2: that game? That same game, the Lakers came back and beat those guys on a last it's second true. shot. I know.
1: Yeah. I know. Uh, well, Ryan, I think I think that's a good point. Kind of just with the the makeshift lineup, uh, Dave. What's kind of stuck out to you the last last week or two, whether that's good or bad? I know there's with a different team basically every night. It's hard to kind of find a consistent storyline there, but what's kind of stuck out to you?
2: So I'm going to look at things on on the big picture level, and I've I've been really consistent, trying to be very consistent with folks in reminding people that when they say, oh, the Suns can't win now without Devin Booker, true, but they also are missing half their rotation at the same time. I mean, I was talking to a Celtics fan the other day, and I'm like, He's like, yeah, yeah, because can't win without Devin Booker. I'm like, okay. how about you roll out a Celtics lineup that is without Jason Tatum, without Jalen Brown, without um, three of the other guys who are in your in your lineup and first ones off the bench. So really, you're rolling with Al Horford and Marcus Smart as your only real players. Right. And Peyton Pritchard's getting 35 minutes a night. How many games would the Celtics win during that time? And would you forgive losses? And he's like, "Wow, yeah, I guess I didn't think about it like that." It's true. The Suns are—they're playing either no point guard or a ten-day, or and they're and we're fighting over should they be playing the ten-day signee or the two-way signee at point guard versus Damian Lee, who's never been a point guard in his life.
1: It does. I will say that's been one of my favorite things in this last couple of weeks of like when there's so many things obviously wrong that are very understandable, you still have a very loud group who's like, man, Dwayne Washington not getting those fourth quarter minutes. How are we going to, how are we going to forgive that one? I'm like my my brother, what are we talking about here? Like this is, if this is what we're debating, I think we're just yelling to yell at that point. Uh, but no, I, I think you're right. I think it's an understanding of, of what's going on. Um, and then for, for me, my one big, kind of stand out and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more later. I thought we finally have seen a, a consistent stretch from Mikhail after a pretty yeah. ugly few weeks, actually um, I'll talk about it more in the highs and lows, but I thought him coming alive has been massive for to Ryan's point, making some of these games competitive, even in the losses and absolutely being the catalyst on the wins I think I think the DA thing Ah, uh, let's be let's be careful here. I think it's very interesting. The part of the calendar we're getting to. Here's the <clears throat> here's and, my <laughs> big thing on DA. Good. Got to have to say anything. Thank is you. Is DA. He could be playing for a
2: 10 win team out of 82. He could be playing for a 60 win team out of 82. He's going to put up 18 and 10. He's not going to be your guy. He's not going to be your primary scorer. He's not going to be your second. He'll be, he'll, he'll score your most points or your second most point, but he's not a go-to guy. He doesn't change at all, depending on whether you need more from him or not. So when we were arguing and I was one of them saying, man, just wait till DA get signs that, you know, a, a max contract with somebody else. And on a bad team averages, what you always wanted him to 24 and 12. no, he would have averaged 18 and 10 this year.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. And, and here's the thing with DA though, is he's, and we have to remember that Devin Booker was exactly the same defensively as DA is being this year in that when your whole team around you sucks defensively, you're going to suck defensively too. Remember when Devin Booker was a turnstile, right? He would get lost off ball. He'd be, he'd be back cut constantly. He was considered a score for like Jordan Clarkson type where he just couldn't play any defense. Although Jordan actually is showing he can play defense too sometimes. Uh, but he's, he had that score only no defense mentality. DA has been terrible defensively this year, relatively speaking, terrible defensively. He's not contesting shots anymore that aren't his to contest. He doesn't, he doesn't know weak side or anything like that. He's been, um, allowing himself to get posted up because his team sucks and it's, it's harder to concentrate and, and And when the rest of your team is also terrible, uh, so I'm not, I'm not excusing him. I'm damning him right now. He's not lifting the team. He is who he is. Now, can he be the third best player on a championship contender? Absolutely. Can he be the third best player on a lottery uh, Victor Weminyama sweepstakes? (laughs) Absolutely. Same dude.
0: And that's one of the things we've brought up a few times is DA strikes us as kind of one of the players who plays well when he has something to play for. Whether that's like his
2: best in the playoffs.
0: Exactly. In the playoffs, going up against another top tier center in the league or when the team as a whole is locked in defensively, he fits into that a lot of times. But on on those nights, like you're saying, where it's hard to get it going, where you have no motivation to play to that level, he's going to take those nights off. And that's just, yep. I mean, that's been him the whole time we've had him.
1: I think another interesting consequence of that, as I fight off a sneeze that could come at any moment, was late in the, in the Nets game in the fourth quarter, There had been three possessions in a five minute stretch. I went back and and kind of checked the clock where he made a poor decision on offense, whether that was turning into kind of turning to the nail where someone was obviously waiting for him because it's quite predictable, whether it was a poor shot, whether it was bringing it down low. And then two minutes later, he is yelling and not like angry way, but like yelling at McHale and cam for a lack of entry pass. And in my mind, I'm like, why would they you've mm. just you've shown what what to expect and then a minute later he does get a pass and he scores and in the twitter world it's like this is why you got to feed the bed guy this is why you've got i'm like i i get that the talent is there i don't think anyone on earth is ever going to argue that but if we as fans can get frustrated at the decision making inconsistency you've got to expect the guys out there who have way more stake in the game are going to be thinking some of those similar things when it comes to what do I do with this one ball when there's five people and four of them might make a better decision. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what comes from this. I think the, the Shams report about Ishbia's immediate involvement and maybe willingness to get involved, that was another one of my big takeaways from the past two weeks just because that was the first real statement of any kind we've heard um it was cool for him to be at the game it's interesting to see and tave correct me on this one he was sitting with the guy that sarver has put kind of keeping his seat warm correct during the the one yeah
2: yeah sam garvin's been uh with sarver since day one when they bought the right so he's definitely a sarver guy garvin has been the um second I think second biggest investor or one of the top five investors where um, uh, Sarver was the biggest one. And then, and Garvin is the second biggest, I think, as far as minority ownership of the team in that, in that partnership. So Garvin's been around forever. He's never been a basketball guy. He was only ever, and he's self-proclaimed. He's like, look, man, I'm a marketing guy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm a revenue guy. I'm going to get us sponsors and revenue i'm not basketball so he's he's just trying to keep the seat warm this year until there's a handover he doesn't know anything about um you know the the other players in the nba does if he knows anything it's like less than us or the same as us because he has other interests but it's just that um uh yes so anyway you asked if, if matt Ishbia was sitting down there um in sarver's seats uh with Garvin, Sam Garvin, and another advisor or two of, of Matt Ishbia's, although I don't think his brother was there, Um, and uh, he was in, he was, he was there, he was sitting there watching the game, and and he was really invested as the game got close toward the end, and of course he was invested the whole time, but I mean, he was leaning forward just like everybody else, and I, I think, uh, I think Ishbia, we won't know what kind of owner he is until he actually takes over. It was interesting that Sham's shams uh put out a hey i've heard something i've Mm -hmm. heard that matt ishby is pushing to uh use draft picks and and invest future salaries but what was weird is if you listen to the way shams put it the way shams put it was since ishby has been announced as the owner to be Mm -hmm. he gave that
1: message which was months months ago
2: In that same time span, several media have said nobody knows if the Suns can trade a first round pick. Nobody knows if the Suns can take on future salary. So I think these insiders are making, they're hearing little nuggets. They're being pushed by, look, uh, it's like any job, right? You're being pushed by your bosses to be unique and to drive the market. And so anytime you hear some little nugget, you're going to blow it up and you're going to make it a story. And so between the Jake Fishers and the Adrian Wojnarowskis and Shams and Mark Steins and all those guys, um, they're hearing what other people are saying. It's like us. It's like when Suns fans talk to each other and then we think that's what all Suns fans think. You know, these insiders are talking to other front office people who have nothing to do with the Suns. And that's what they so who knows? We still don't know to this day. Uh, whether anybody has truly an inside track to the Suns. It's been years since anybody has. Um, James Jones has no interest in talking to media, that although seems, he may yeah. be feeling pressure to talk to right. media now because you have to think about this also, and I'm kind of tangenting here, but we're talking about Ishbia as the new owner. Um, all of a sudden, James Jones's seat is a little bit warmer. Mm-hmm. Bonnie Williams' seat is a little bit warmer if they don't finish this season out perfectly, no matter what happens this season, it could be a turnover summer on the top. And if that happens, then, you know, this is James Jones's last trade deadline, potentially as a GM. Hmm. And while I've been defending James on the large scale for years in that, you know what? You cannot tell me he sucks as a GM. If the Suns have led the league and wins and he took over a roster That was worse than the league and wins. And within two years, got to the finals and then led the league and wins the next year. You can't say he's a bad GM, but what you can say is once he built it, he just stood and stared
0: at it. Mm -hmm. He
2: stared at it, right? He didn't, he hasn't, he's been frozen in place for the past year or two. James Jones as the GM, the Suns. I did research two summers ago. The Suns were the first at the time. The Suns were the first team to return their coach and top two players to training camps. So this was a year, a little over a year and a half ago. Two training camps after a finals appearance where they lost. Wow! In Twenty years. I went back. I went back to like '99 or something like
1: that. So head coach and Everyone in top had, two?
2: had head coach and top wow. two. Everyone had at least changed their head coach or one of their top two players within 2 years of coming up short of being a contender but coming up short huh. now you could say well that's no longer true right golden
1: state i wish i could have stat you dave so bad um,
2: uh, uh, denver has their coach and their top players you know la clippers have uh their coach and their top players so they're although they never made it past the second round the clippers and denver barely made the conference finals but um actually there was more precedent for Middling playoff teams to keep their coach and top players and keep trying, like Portland, right for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was finals losers keeping their coach and top two players. So it's just weird. That was a weird twist, and it's still kind of true because the um, the the Warriors are the only uh, exception. But you know what? The Warriors have to be everybody's exception, right? But not only did the Suns keep their top two players in coach, they kept their top four players in coach. Yeah untouched so one thing you can say about James Jones is that once he got that success he overdid it on continuity and we'll see at this uh trade deadline um whether well let's I hope it doesn't hold this time around uh Scott you're right for next training camp if Chris Paul is the starting point guard and Monty Williams is the coach and Devin Booker is your other top player that would be unusual
0: well and i think Um, this this within the last week or two was really the first time an actual report again to your to your point earlier everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt but we, we heard for the first time that the sun's front office was exploring a future beyond chris paul for the first time this week with with that report and that was the first time really since cp3 had gotten here that a report like that had been made or at least put in writing So again, to your point, all that needs to be taken with a grain of salt, because who knows what actually is happening. Um, But it does at least somewhat seem like we might be starting to look at what that'll look like moving forward.
2: Yeah, the problem with the CP3 thing is that obviously he's got a health issue, but it is worst. He's 2019 Ricky Rubio, right? I mean, that's still pretty functional as a point guard. It's just not a difference maker right? So you need another number two. Right. So he doesn't have to be, so he can be like a Rubio type of number mm-hmm. four or five. Right. Um, but here's the problem with, with CP3. We say that only 15 million is guaranteed. Right. Uh, um, of his future contracts. So they could let him walk hand him 15 million, tell him to go away. Well, they don't have any cap space. So the best you can do is sign another guy at mid level. Right to be your starting point guard cp 3 is still better than that yeah so it might be that cp 3 comes back but hopefully he's not one of the universal top two right,
1: and right. i think that's i think that's, that's something me. if if i'm thinking james jones watching this happen i'm guessing he was hoping that one of our other guys became that number two and i think it's probably the guy that's seven foot tall right i think from that group of developing guys, maybe you hope as Chris declines, the rest of the group moves up. But but I agree. I think I, I don't know if it was the fact that they made the finals and then followed up with the wins or the fact that they won the first two games of the finals. It seemed like the general consensus was they are right at the doorstep of, of winning mm-hmm. that thing. I and, still and firmly as,
2: believe they could get through this playoffs if. If. They had the the proper the same mentality that they had in 2021, and this is really only two years later. And it's right. the same guys, and the only one who's demonstrably worse is CP3, right? Well, he was pretty bad in that playoffs actually. <laughs> Remember, he barely played in the first round. He averaged six points because he couldn't move his arm, and then in the in the uh, he missed the first two games of the conference finals. I mean, and then he was hurt somehow in uh, the finals that he had a wrist surgery on after. So, I mean, the Suns do have the ability to make a push. Now, if they can acquire a really good placement for Jay Crowder without losing, people are saying trade DA for Pascal Siakam. Well, first of all, Toronto is going to want a lot more than DA because of the Rudy Gobert market. It's the Gobert market. They're going to want first-round picks and da for pascal who's already almost 30 do you want to really do minnesota all over again and commit your entire present and future for a guy who might not live up to your hopes and dreams that's what minnesota did this summer um so but can you get a secondary player can you get another tertiary player maybe all you need is you need another scorer who can create his own shot when everything breaks down
1: yeah. And I think I know I know Eric Gordon has been the name for years and years well. and years, but there's other guys out there, <laughs> right, who are younger and getting more consistent minutes. And I love how we're like,
2: we need to get we need to get another big. OK, how about Eric Gordon, who I averages know. barely the same points as Mikhail Bridges on a on the worst team in the league? OK, I sure.
1: I think I think that's the thing. I, I don't think if we're wanting to keep the team the same way to get over the hump, it's going to be. I mean, I guess impact or minutes-wise, it's a th- the Jay Crowder role of you're not going to be the star or the go-to guy, but you have a yeah. role and you play it really well. I still think the Suns have struggled to replace those minutes, and injury obviously is a huge part. I'm I'm super excited to see, to your point, what this team looks like healthy, and let's go ahead and talk about – the first step that's been taken well, and, to get and there. let's just, and yeah,
2: exactly. Let's, let's go ahead and talk about that. But let me just jump in real quick. The Suns were 15 and six when they were already without Chris Paul for a month, Cam Johnson for a month mm-hmm. and Jay Crowder for the whole season. It's not like the Suns can't win with some injuries. They just can't win with all the injuries. Oh,
1: yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. And I think that was, The first thing I tweeted out during that Nets game was, I think people forgot how good Cam Johnson is just at playing basketball. Because, you know, when you're talking about all of these injuries, it was like his didn't exist almost. It was because it had been going on for so long. He'd been absent for so long. And this sharp downturn wasn't immediate when he left. It was because, like you said, the additional dominoes fell. Hmm. Cam Johnson's return was a breath of fresh air in that arena within the team. And I still think he's he's getting the confidence back to trust to trust his knee. Um, I had the same exact surgery he did. Now, I had to go back and play like regional level soccer playoffs, a little different than the NBA. But I know the feeling of this thing that provides stability to your knee with every single extension or every pivot. Mm -hmm. You're trying to figure out if you really think that thing can do the thing it's supposed to do. And I thought he looked really confident. Like I I didn't know, not just with the minutes restriction, but even maybe just the game plan of like, how are they going to use him? Is he going to play like he typically would? Are they going to try to create more space from the perimeter to get a shot going? But that guy was attacking the rim in no time. And he was playing physical defense. And it might have been you. I forgot who tweeted it. The dude was still hit the deck like five times, which is pretty typical for Cam Johnson playing. <laughs> yeah. I guess any sport, who knows? But man, that that right there, I think, as sad as it is, was enough for some of these people who have been very loud in the "we should just tank" camp to be like, "Oh, wait a second we we do have some good." Yeah, players how much
2: tanking play. have you heard in the last twenty four hours? <laughs> I
1: know. I look. I, there All are it took some was things, one
2: effing game.
1: There are there are many things that have. Uh, brought out some rants from me in the uh, 80 some episodes of this. I have, I feel like I did a really good job biting my tongue on that. Cause I, I thought that might've been more ridiculous than the trade DA stuff. Like some of that was really ridiculous. The, Hey, should we just go ahead and tank? I just, my mind could not comprehend to your point saying, Hey guys, I know we have four of our top six players hurt right now. And they'll all be healthy by the end of the year. Should we go ahead and just wave the white flag? I'll be healthy
2: by February 1, with 30 games to go.
1: and, And here's the kicker, too. It's not just about us. It's also like, look at the other teams out there. There's teams like the Rockets who will not let you tank better than them. So at the end of the day, you might have the fifth best odds. I mean, anyway. Yeah, Cam Johnson shows up and people remember, oh, crap, we do have talented basketball players. And he's not just some stand in the corner and shoot. He is a legit basketball player who showed he is absolutely worthy of the lottery pick that was used on him. And he's better than we thought he was when he was good the first time. Like, he looks good. He looks big, not in a mean body shaming way. But the guy looks thick, like not the kid that showed up from North Carolina at age 23. No, I'll
2: tell you, he he looks looks like one of the biggest guys. Yeah, it was physically biggest guys on the
1: Suns team. It cracked me up watching, watching the broadcast, looking out there. I was like, I had to scroll back. I went in in person of the finals. Yeah, go look at, go look at the picture of him dunking over PJ in the NBA finals. That guy's arms, legs, torso all have increased in circumference like he looks strong and when you're looking big okay. picture he's
2: still gonna get bull he's still, look he's oh, still gonna get, still get rocked ball, by a right? he's still gonna get bowling pinned when luka Doncic drives into his well, chest he's still gonna go flying well, into the second row
1: well i mean
2: <laughs> commits who, a, uh, when cam would, johnson you know, commits a defensive foul with his chest as he gets thrown into the second row that'll still happen Giannis is still going to knock guys off their ass onto their asses. You know, those things look cam isn't that big, but, but, I,
1: but we don't need him to
2: be right? than he was. Yeah.
1: Right. I, my thing is if he's guarding, uh, and again, these are high talented players, a Kawhi or a Paul George who are grown men, if you will, I year one or year two, cam Johnson, I think could be forearm checked off the ball pretty easily. He looks like he can hold his own in a league of grown men now. Sorry, Ryan, didn't mean to cut you off there, bud.
0: No, you're good. I was just gonna say one of the things to me that was reassuring last night, and you spoke on it a little bit. There didn't seem to be that hesitation, but he was also at sometimes looking for contact. It wasn't like he was playing scared either. He wasn't just looking for the three point opportunities. He was attacking the rim way harder yeah. than I anticipated he would on his first night back. And some of that could be he's confident in his body. To y'all's point, the strength he's built, he's stronger than he was. Some of It could just be he feels good about his knee better than we thought he would. So that to me was the biggest sign that he's not going to have the long ramp up to where he was potentially that we may have anticipated because he looked ready to rock and roll from the jump. And in fact, I think he came in on a minutes restriction initially, which which, ended up playing several minutes above that minutes restriction.
1: Yes. Which Monty Williams, when asked about it, I believe hit him hit him with a note. I think the question was did next he play comment. Would he play a, did he play more than his minutes restriction yeah it was next next, next question,
2: next yeah. question. Yeah, yeah next question uh yeah no Monty's. look everybody is stressed right now everybody is frustrated Monty is more frustrated than usual and he hates those kind of questions and so he was he was belligerent about not Revealing, although I guess he had it, said to TNT before the game, it was an 18-minute at home, yeah, that's, that's and then the uh, and Cam Johnson played 22, and really it would have been 18 if the Suns just could have held that 15-point uh, lead over the Nets, mm-hmm. uh, but it got down to six, and then he's like, all right, rising. You know, the, the old adage, right, rising tide floats all boats. You need yep. better NBA talent to win games. And he realized his best NBA talents besides DA and Mikkel, his best NBA talent was cam Johnson when he needed him because Kyrie Irving was going off who, by the way, carried the nets over the jazz last night Mm -hmm. by just doing more than one quarters worth of work. So we're, we're very lucky in Phoenix that Kyrie Irving decided only to play the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah. Now Cam, cam Johnson, I think him being back is great. I also don't feel like it was rushed. Just based on kind of the conversation, I, no. I didn't feel like him playing against the Nets was, a, oh, crap, we're losing, we need him back. It seems like they did a really good job letting him get back on his own kind of time frame. He's been getting shots up publicly within practices for weeks now, and it didn't look like a guy who was scared to be out there. Um, Ryan, you made a mention attacking the rim, nine of nine from the free throw line. A couple of those were late in the we've got a foul minutes, but, high, still, but still, but still, hit them all the shots the numbers don't you know they don't scream like wow he came out on fire but the willingness to shoot i thought was huge almost more than anything and still connecting on a good clip the guy had i think 19 points in 22 minutes yep i mean that's yeah.
0: six rebounds and a block on top of that and was plus8 for the yeah. night like he had yeah. a solid well, solid crazy. night crazy gonna, good for
1: a first game back absolutely well, I'm, I'm going to take full advantage here of, of being the guy uh, who determines when we move to the next section, because I want to talk about someone. And so we're going to move into our next section. Uh, the reason people come back every single week, the reason Scott Lacey is still listening right now, the highs, lows, and just so you know's in Phoenix Suns basketball. And gentlemen, we've talked a lot about one twin. I want to start us off talking about the other with Mikhail Bridges. I already touched on, in my opinion, what has been a great couple of weeks. But there is one statistic about our sweet boy, McKilbridge that I really want to focus on, and that is his assist to turnover number. That is something about McHale that him and Cam both, you know, they have it within them to make the right pass, the smart pass, the whatever. But McHale, for the first time, I thought, looked to be creating for others by his decisions and when he would penetrate and kick out mm-hmm. um, in this week alone. Since the Cavaliers game here, Mikael has had assists of nine, seven, six, four, five, and three, with the most turnovers out of any of those games at four, most of them being at one and two and an occasional three. That chunk of statistics looks very different from any two-week span in Mikhail Bridges' entire season, and it's hard pressed to find any run in his career to have a two-week stretch like that. And it's not like he was just saying, okay, I need to facilitate. He also had 28 points, 21 points, 24 points, 26 points, 15. The only one that drops off is the Denver game where he put up a bit of a dud shooting, but still created for others. I thought this was one of the best Mikhail Bridges stretches of his career. And he looked, again, no offense to DeAndre, he looked like the best player when your two stars are gone he looked like he finally said, okay, I'm tired of this one win out of 10 games thing. We're I'm going to get
2: two of- wins out of 10. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: We're going to step it up a little bit. But he, not only, I mean, I also thought he played great defense against the Nets. I think Kyrie, to your point, Dave, he's one of those dudes that when, when he does care enough, yeah, he is, I think because of all the crap, people do forget that he's still ridiculously talented at the basketball thing. Uh, but McHale played great, annoying defense for a lot of that game while still producing well on the other side. And I, I was really impressed. And I'm hoping because I think I saw a lot of people like, wow, Cam Johnson's back and Mikhail's Mikhail's back, too. I'm like, no, man, he's been doing this for the last two weeks. Like, this is great. Like, him, you, got, like, you know,
2: is- you know, though, Mikhail, uh played better with cam back because just, he did uh, maybe not like in the box scores or anything like that, but um, he definitely was happier.
1: Oh, that's yeah.
2: Best friend twin mm-hmm. back in the lineup with him. The Suns looked more like the sons. Um, we, we do have to caveat that the Suns are still um, managing cam Johnson. Not only did he have a cap right. minutes cap in this first game, but he's going to sit out the first end of a back-to-back. I'm assuming he'll be playing next uh the next game against Memphis at home on sunday and you don't want to play him back to back if he's recovering from his knee thing yeah. so he'll be out against the pacers uh and uh it's that's okay you need you need good cam for the rest of the year i was extremely impressed cuz i had low expectations for cam by the way um coming back cuz a month ago a year ago sorry he missed a month with a thigh thing and mm-hmm. he was never himself again yeah right um and this this year he looks totally different now he's he is himself and he is the good cam and i would love to see it if he can stay healthy as more people come back healthy rising tide pulls all boats the team is going to win more games um you um you were bringing up we're in the highs and lows and just so you know section so uh i'll let you finish on your
1: high and then i'll go oh I think we've all talked about how wonderful and how much I love Mikhail. Dave, what was your high for the last, last week and a half here?
2: So my high, um, I'm going to do it more of a, um, on a higher level, basically. My high is that the team didn't start sniping at each other. When you mm, lose all really these games for six weeks, they still stayed in the foxhole together. Nobody ripped on each other. Everyone's trying to call each other up they were simply just didn't have the bodies. They just didn't have the Mm -hmm. bodies. I mean, when you're fondly remembering the days when you could bring a Mike James off the bench, (laughs) to score, you know, you're down bad on, on playmakers. Right. And that's just a talent thing with the injuries. Um, So I I really think that um, I, I think it's really good that the Suns didn't fall apart. They didn't start sniping at each other. You didn't start hearing players saying we need to make some changes. Nobody has said anything of that nature. Um, So, you know, kudos to them for keeping it together. And that's just going to help. When they do get healthy, they're going to win like they did before. And people are going to say, oh, the Suns don't suck. You know, they're going to be surprised. And we're all going to be like, well, because they're playing their players again.
1: I, I think that is a really good point. Uh, I think they've handled the media really well, too. A lot of players, um, I think Tori's got the most kind of attention last week when getting those questions of, you're 1-10, in 10, how are y'all feeling? How's it in there? And they're like, the same it always is. Like, vibes <laughs> are good. I think that was the answer. I think vibes are, vibes are the same. Like, they, they are aware enough to not rant on Twitter about how bad they are because they are aware of the talent they have in that room and the reasons it's there. And I think another point, Dave, like, sometimes – when a player is hurt for a long time and then kind of gets reintegrated, there could be some friction. There could be some, Mm -hmm. well, he's now eating into my minutes. Like, I don't think Dwayne Washington jr. Is going to be like, Oh no, Devin Booker's coming for my minute. Like, no, like, you know, you know how the team operates. I think, I think it's going to be easy Mm -hmm. for them to get back to normal, which is a great point. And the only player that we think is leaving the locker room is the player who's not showed up to the locker room all season long. Anyway, And even with him, the vibes have been good. Like they've handled the media well, too, supporting their friend and teammate who is making business decisions, right? Like this group seems close. And I think as we go back a segment, you got to give Monty and James Jones some credit there, putting a group together that would handle things this way and having that culture. Um, And yeah, I think that's going to be huge when people start coming back.
0: All right, Ryan. For me, Dave, Dave touched on one. There was there was a refreshing nature to the game last night, and I think it was because Cam and Mikhail were back together. There was a sense of normalcy having mm-hmm. that familiar face back. That, to me, was a high for the week. <clears throat> Excuse me. But my other high, um, and I think actually Dave was the one who tweeted this, there was no Landry, no Chris Paul, no campaign, no book. So essentially no ball handlers, <laughs> and you still get a win. Now, don't look at uh, the fact that Kevin Durant didn't play or that Kyrie Irving only played three or four – or you know one of four quarters essentially yeah. um but the fact that you're able to pull off a win against a pretty pretty solid brooklyn team uh with with all four of those guys out um is it's just really impressive and again it speaks to the fact that you've got guys who are still fighting to play still fighting to win you may not be getting the wins every night but you're not rolling over and dying and, and as a fan that's all you can ask for is the guys to go out there to try to compete and again to Dave's point to stick together and not not eat one another you know, w- while they're out there. So lot- lots of things to be encouraged by with what we're seeing, even amidst, you know, two of 10 to two of 10 wins, basically.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, Dave, I'll let you, I'll let you kick off the lows here. What you got for the lows the last couple of weeks.
2: All right. I do wish you had the stat me, Dave drop. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. The, well, no, no, I didn't give it to you. That's fine. It's, <laughs> I didn't think about it. Um, here's my low. And this is kind of more for the season because it's the first time I've been on your show all season. And I haven't really podcasted since the Suns were in first place in the West, by the way, because oh, um, I think we turned retired quick. the show when they were 16 and seven. But anyway, that's not my low. Uh, yeah, my low is the Suns can't win without me. Uh, no, my, my <laughs> real <low> is that <laughs> my real low is that. The um, the players who are third and fourth in minutes played this season. Are Damian Lee and Tori Craig?
1: Yep. (laughs) Yep. What a world.
2: What a world. How about we chill on the this team sucks now and just go to let's get them healthy and see how bad they are?
0: Preach, Pastor.
2: The other side of this is um, who would you rather be? I have a question for you guys really quick. Who would you rather be right now, today? The Clippers or the Suns? Oh, the Suns. Suns. 100%.
1: Why? Why do you say that?
2: The Clippers have Kawhi Leonard, two-time the Clippers, Finals MVP, the
1: Clippers leverage their the Clippers leverage their future. No, for this a season, team, this season. Oh, I, oh, I'm just saying in general. I'm like they don't have much to look forward to in the yeah. future. This uh, season, I, I, who's I still,
2: got the better potential playoff run?
1: This I still, season, I think it's the Suns, personally. And you can say Clippers, Ryan.
0: I, I was going to say my if we're talking specifically this season, yeah. I I feel like the Clippers do just from the fact that there's a good chance this the Suns team doesn't get back to the stride they were hitting before all of the injuries. You know, I, I can't I can't put a lot of stock into that. But again, I think somebody released a stat the other day that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have played 91 games together over five seasons. You know, so I don't know if if that's even a fair argument. Like, so my 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 head is saying yeah, right? the Clippers, my heart says the Suns none of them neither of them are in great positions but i'll take i'll take the suns just because i'm loyal
2: <laughs> um well i would just point out that the clippers have been more disappointing than the suns lately and Kawhi and leonard is back to looking I'll like say, himself again yeah and paul george has been playing and they're still barely they they've won seven of 14 right seven and seven over a stretch where both leonard and paul george are playing so I'd rather be the Suns because if you're going to be down, because they have the same record as the Suns, <laughs> I'd rather be the Suns getting a bunch of players back than be the Clippers who already have them.
1: Yeah, so
0: that's fair. Uh, I was going to yeah. say
1: I can, it's going to be hard for me to imagine the Clippers magically figuring it out after having so much of that's the it. same. Like, I think... they have no
2: energy. They they're, right. they don't. Have they're, the they feel
1: dead. Spirit. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. They're, they're not fun to watch either. I'm glad glad I get at least here for a team that it's fun to watch even if it is Saban Lee attacking the rim but um oh goodness uh ryan
0: low for the week Milo again is more of a big picture similarly it's just been kind of messy around the suns you've got the Windhorse report that we're in a, a quasi three ownership split that's come out basically since the last time we reported. uh there was the happy eight and day celebration on january 15th where suns fans were celebrating that he was finally trade eligible which was kind of corny. You had the Jay Crowder Bleacher Report interview where he was like, "Yeah, my my teammates still love me and appreciate me, but I was blindsided by the coaches and management." No, you weren't. You chose not to play. You knew what was coming. It's just been everything's been messy. So things on the court, they're playing well, they're fighting well. I appreciate that. But everything around the team has just felt really messy and that's kind of kind of frustrating.
2: Yeah, that uh the 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 uh Bleacher Report from about jay crowder you know texting basically i think uh the way i read that report was that he was texting with chris haynes right and he gave those comments so the first thing that came to mind is you know his texts were all caps
1: with no <laughs> punctuation With an oh it's an exclamation point and a period it was very yeah. kind
2: yeah so it was very kind of chris haynes's editors to to convert the all caps texts to to true sentence format
1: goodness no i I agree, right? And that's kind of where I went with my low. I had to I had to pull it back a little bit. There are some players who have been uh, oddly inefficient recently around the rim, but that's okay. Life goes on. Uh what I did want to say is I I hate the uncertainty of the next few weeks because a lot of the times if you're a team that knows you're going to make a move going into the trade deadline, you kind of have an idea of who you might be going for. You have a good idea of who could be leaving. I mean, it's crazy that if you if you read articles on The Athletic or you read Bleacher Report articles or you see the fans talking, you'll see one trade that is Jay Crowder and Dario Saric. And then you see another one that's DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson in the first. And these are from like relatively smart basketball people who get paid to do that. Like they have no idea what the Suns could do. And I think that general lack of direction and what that future looks like has made the fandom equally as confused and throw out equally ridiculous ideas that just become messy. Where I'm like, how are we going from, let's trade Jay Crowder for a piece that helps us, and yeah, maybe we'll throw in some salary filler too. All right, boys, it's time to trade our three 24, 26 and under young stars to get one, like, What like I don't know. One 30-year-old. Uh, yeah, I don't Plus, get
2: it. You know, <laughs> oh look, Pascal Siakam is a good player. Top fifteen, top twenty, the way he's played the last two years. Good player. Would be a great number two for his sons in a playoff push. But only if they still have their other players. Right. You That's know, you can't trade the fourth the 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 third best in that hierarchy and the fifth or sixth best to get that second best, because otherwise you're just down again, you know. So you can't you can't give up the farm to get that. Mm-hmm. Look, uh, P Dog, Da is such a tease. He is, but at the same time, he's a damn good player. Regardless, on a good team, I I I complained about him at the beginning. On a good team, he's a really good player, and he has the potential to play some of the best defense of all big men in the game. And uh, when you're going into a playoffs, that's that's super important.
1: I think he is the perfect third best player on your team. That's that's Mm -hmm. the very simple conclusion about DeAndre Ayton. Like I'm not going to argue how he should play what he should do none of that nonsense but if it's Devin Booker and another star with DeAndre Ayton as your third guy that is un, un like ridiculously good like that right. is the dream scenario so I think the problem is to your point people are like all right well how do we get that number two well we've got to trade good young players You're like all right well, I
2: well, don't know you, that. You just- um and let's let's uh actually think about that too You don't necessarily, ideally you have a number two for many years to come for sure. Absolutely. But in this, at least if you can get a a number two shot creator out of nothing, like would you call, um, Spencer Dinwiddie or, or, uh, Jalen Brunson, really a number two. I mean, maybe, but not before the playoffs started, but they became that good because they were able to create off the dribble in the Mm -hmm. playoffs in the heat of the moment. That's what the suns really need. Um, and they don't have enough of that. So you I, could, I get think somewhere. they don't have
1: anything close to that too. Like they no. don't have a, well, maybe if he, like there's, there's nothing, I think that, that fits that role that you would expect to see on a team. Um, and yeah, I, mean, I
2: think we were hoping campaign would grow into that, but that's the right. exact campaign spot that just needs to be more consistent and more able to make shots from anywhere.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think you wanted campaign to be that and it it hasn't happened. I think Landry, when his like two weeks of fame showed that oh, maybe he has some of that, but not anything close to what you
2: want fame. Let's not give him two weeks.
1: (laughs) He had two high point games, Dave. I will not I will not accept Landry slander. He had played great those weeks and I will hold to it. Uh, But no. Yeah, we need we need something. (laughs) I think I think it's a good point. So
2: the problem with Landry is the same problem as you have with Mikkel. Every game they have twenty plus points, they follow it up with a single digit. That's just it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think, I don't think that should be either of their roles to score that many to begin with, and that was might be. it. To be. I mean, uh, <laughs> I can't, and I, yeah, yeah I know. It. Well, who knows? But anyway, lows aren't that bad. I would say for a week where we only had two wins, those are some pretty reasonable lows. <laughs> I don't, we're, starting, we're getting used to it. Yeah, I feel like we're not leaving here as upset as we were. The mediocrity uh, has overtaken look, us. Three, we- three, four <laughs> weeks ago, I remember us being like, all right, this is, we're going to have to record again next week. Looking at the schedule, we're going to lose a lot next week. So we need to think of something to talk about that's not just, we've lost a bunch. How are we yeah. feeling? So this <laughs> is good. I can, I can handle this. Uh, Dave, what's your just so you know for the week? I feel like this could be anything, and I'm excited for it.
2: Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, good question. Just so you know, no, I want you guys to go first. I got to think about this for a little bit because we've talked about a lot of things on the podcast and I want
0: to come up with something we haven't talked about yet.
1: Oh so boy. You guys, All right. Else, I look forward to your Tory Craig information. All right, yeah. Ryan, what do you got for your, just so you know?
0: Uh, mine is, if you haven't been keeping up with some of the trade rumors, we've been tied to the Raptors twice now. And again, we've talked about this several times, but two different outlets with two different reporters have tied us to the Raptors in some capacity. One with a move potentially for Fred Van Vliet uh, coming from the Athletic and Shams, and another for um, Pascal Siakam through, uh, or a, an interest expressed in Ayton from the Raptors. Um, again, Doubt there's much to it, but it is interesting that we are starting to be put in those mixes for some of those other uh, bigger name guys as we're kind of thinking through who might be that missing piece. Um, The fact that those two reports came out the report that said the Phoenix Suns front office is at least looking at um, a a potential move beyond Chris Paul in the future means nothing practically speaking, but it at least to me gives uh, some encouragement that despite Windhorst's report that you know HBO might have his hands tied at the moment there does seem to be some movement starting hopefully so again ethan ethan brought it up there's a lot of unknown moving forward but it does look like maybe some of those dominoes are starting to fall where those conversations are having taking place more seriously so if you're not keeping up with some of that now's the time to do it cuz the next couple of weeks uh could be could be a roller coaster or it could be a stalemate nothing happens and we roll off the same team uh even with j J. Uh, Crowder plugging the Bossman Merch store at six dollars a t shirt um you know that could still be be a thing but I would say- it does look like there are some smokes to fires that are starting to happen
1: yeah I would say i think I think we're at least at a point where we can confidently say the suns will do something, and that sounds like me just saying nothing, but there have been some deadlines that come and go, and nothing happens, no one moves. I think it would be insane if we somehow move past this deadline without Jay Crowder going somewhere? Dave, do you think that that's like, there's, there's no way.
2: Yeah, Jay Crowder they, will
1: be traded. Right. He
2: has, Here, here's, the, here's the thing, and this will be my, uh, I guess I'll, I'll piggyback on what Ryan's saying and add a little bit more to uh, what we've been hearing. I don't have any inside info, but what we've been hearing throughout this trade deadline is that uh, the asking prices, there's only a few teams actually selling right now. There are 24, 25 teams in the playoff hunt because of the play in for each conference that um, are trying to buy. So nobody wants to trade good players for nothing right now. Only, only as few teams, right? Charlotte, Houston, Houston still wants an unprotected first for Eric Gordon. Ridiculous. The Spurs, but you know what just came out this week? The Spurs are asking for two first round picks for Jakob Hurdle. I know. What? What? Like, come on. And yet Suns fans are willing to trade D.A. for a bag of pocket lint. <laughs> so I don't understand this. How Jakob Purtle can be demanded for two first round picks. So at this point. So that's why there's been no trades. There's been no trades because of not only Rudy Gobert going for five picks, but Donovan Mitchell going for four. Yeah. And does Junte Murray going for three first round unprotected picks so all these unprotected picks the other thing to, just so you know the land of trading first round picks okay why would it be more been, why would it be more advantageous to a front office to trade an unprotected pick than a protected one
1: because you so would the- think
2: the opposite
1: So that you can, isn't there, if there's protections you have, you can't trade the following year or something like that, right?
2: Multiple years. So what was going on for a while was, yeah, I'll give you a top, a lottery protected first round pick and it stays lottery protected for two years. Then it converts to top 20 and then it converts to top. Well, guess what? You can't change. You can't trade anything. Um. If if you're if you're committed on because a it locks up. first round pick, right. because and then you have to go a year after that to keep your pick because of the steppian rule. So if the Suns, if you're tra- saying the Sun should trade a, a 2023 lottery protected pick, well, guess what? Now they can't trade anything until 2026, any other first-round picks. So um, no, nobody wants to do that. And yet nobody wants to give up an unprotected first-round pick either or or multiples. So It's just tough right now. What's going to happen is the last two days before the trade deadline, trades will be made. They'll probably look more normal than we've been led to believe they would. And we'll we'll say something like, why didn't we do this last month? Well, it's because nobody was offering this last month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then um, also for Jay, I'm a hundred percent sure the Suns will trade Jay. The question is for what? Is it? Rui Hachimura level guy, where he's barely going to make the rotation and might actually get played out of the rotation, possibly. What what J- what Jim James Jones is hoping for is that he'll get someone better than Jay for a playoff run. Guess what? I have some really cool news for those who who donate, and we'll talk about Brightside Night in a sec. But for those who donate ten plus tickets uh, for underprivileged kids to go to a Suns game next week. If you do it in the next few days, you still might be able to get into the pregame interview with us. And guess what? Get, we're going to be talking to James Jones. I'm going to be able to ask him, what's the likelihood you're going to get someone better than Jay Crowder this year?
1: <laughs> and why the it's hell awesome. haven't you
2: traded him yet? James James will be right there talking to all the all of our best donors.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. No, I my, honestly, my, just so you know, it's kind of in this the same realm as I guess everyone's kind of focused on the upcoming weeks. And it was the idea of, I I think there's this weird risk reward going on in the minds of not only Suns leadership, but fans of do we trade a first, do we make it unprotected? And here's my thought. If you're trading this upcoming first round pick unprotected, I hope you're doing it because you know that that pick's going to be like 24 through 30 something. Right. Like, Mm. and that's, that's my thing. If we're making the 30 is fine. Right. Like, What I don't know. I look, I say the same thing when it goes back to the Landry trade, because I know people lost their crap about that one more for the extension, but Landry Shamit versus a guy picked at 32 or whatever, not like, okay, I'm going to take a known commodity over a question mark. And when I look at this, do we need to attach a first round to Jay to finally get that player that's better than Jay? Sure. That's fine. Because Look at the history of first round draft picks. There's this magic stigma that a first round draft pick is far superior than a second round. I get that. But if you look at late first to early to mid second, the odds of them panning out are not that different. And if I told you we're trading Jay in an early second round, you're probably like, oh, that sounds reasonable if we're getting something back. But it's it's this idea that it's because it's that first, it's such a big deal. And you know what? I think some of those trades were crazy if you told me right now, I could give up our next three first round picks for DeJounte Murray to come and run the offense and create shots for himself and make life easier. I'm like, that doesn't sound too bad. Like, I think that's too much for me. You
2: fit a lot better next to Devin Booker than Trey young.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. I look at that trade and that's where I'm like, man, I wish, I wish we would have known about that one. So we could have jumped in, throw a Jay Crowder in there who they're interested anyway. And let's get this thing done. Like I, I don't, and I know there are people who still somehow would say we should tank this year. This team is not looking at anything, but an NBA finals for the next few years with Booker, Aiton Johnson and McHale, all 26 or younger. Mm -hmm. This is a team that is going to compete for the next four to five years. The way the contracts are set up, they got to get their crap together with cam Johnson's contract, but this team's not going anywhere unless they do something insane. They're not going anywhere. They're not going to tank. They're not going to be a lottery team. So what are those picks good for other than just holding and showing value? So I'm with you. I think, I think Jay Crowder's got to go. I think the way you do get more talent back is possibly throwing in some draft capital. But I also think to your point, there's not a lot of good sellers out there. So some of those teams might view Jay Crowder as a legitimate missing piece for their run. Because as much as we like to, there are teams Jay, that are
2: interested but, in Jay Crowder. They just don't have anything the Suns want. I mean, exactly. Do you want Grace Allen? Well, no. the hope, the hope no. is do my hope want, is that that means do you they'll want offer Caleb something.
1: Martin. No, of course not.
2: No, because he's a six-five, two-hundred-pound guy. We already have those.
1: I don't even know which one that is. Aren't there? Yeah, well, it two, doesn't there, matter. There's two of them. Um, hey, P
2: Dog in the chat says he wants Denny Denny Avdia of Washington. You know the Suns already have him, right? His name is oh. Joshua Kogi. <laughs> Really good defense, yeah. can't hit the broad side of a barn on shots. If he makes a shot, you think, oh, he found his shot, and then he takes 10 more and he misses him. No, you, the Suns already have that, and the great thing about the Josh Akoge version is that the Josh Akoge version already knows he's a minimum salary player. Uh, contract-wise, Denny is going to be a restricted free agent, and he's going to be wanting
0: uh, Coming uh, off Andrew Shammott money, lottery. But yeah,
2: where he's got Josh Akoge game. I mean, let's go.
1: The the list the list is small. The list of actual options is small. And I think, Ryan, that's why you're starting to see rumors include players that are not in any way coming to the Suns. Mm-hmm. Because no one is gonna click on an article about Jay Crowder and a first for Austin Rivers, which is just the first rando I thought of. Like oh
2: my god, no one clicks ever do that.
1: No <laughs> one clicks on those, you know what I mean? The Suns like,
2: already traded for Austin Rivers once and Hey, him, I wish and, we could take Seth least.
1: Curry back. We had him for a day. But yeah, like know what, people are going to click on the Fred Van Vliet trade scenarios yep. and all that nonsense. And so I think, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what is going on. I am looking for, like legitimately, I am looking forward to post trade deadline. We'll be very close to everyone getting back healthy. And we can finally just say, here's our team. What can we expect from our team? And let's continue to, to cheer for that team. That sounds great. And One then last don't...
2: thing to worry about, just so you know, mm-hmm. let's hope this team is not completely healthy by February 1. You know why? Because then James is going to be so excited about
1: seeing all his players. Oh, then he's he like, we don't need to make a trade. We're good. Fuck. And and that's thought
2: the, the last thing you. I thought somebody the, has to stay injured.
1: I thought, the, I thought the same thing when Cam got back. I was like, all right, let's not look too good with just Cam. He's like, wait, we we beat the Nets with just Cam. We still don't have Booker and Paul. We're fine. I was like, no, 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 no. We're still not good. Let's not get too excited. Look, at much. the
2: very minimum, they'll trade Jay Crowder, and it'll be a, a rotational player, and it'll be somebody who can play. And that's that's all. That's better than any of the last two trade deadlines. I mean. Tory Craig's great, but it'll be better than Tory Craig. That's my prediction. And it's better Sons than him getting paid not to, play it,
0: to play at all. You know, like any yeah. piece you're adding is a piece gained at this point because Jay's literally bringing nothing.
2: Yeah,
1: that was that was one of my favorite. I saw someone be like, "If we don't get someone back who's way better than Jay," and I was like, "Well, if you look at Jay's stats this year." I think most people, I think I would be better than Jay this year. Mm, Probably, probably (laughs) still not. I would probably hurt the team. Wayne
2: writes better than Jay.
1: I love that man and his big broad shoulders. He's great. Uh, Gentlemen, this has been wonderful. Dave, thank you for coming. I wanted to give you the floor as we bring this thing to a close. I know you talked kind of what to expect for those that have donated a lot for Brightside night, but as someone who's listened to you on podcasts and, and kept up with this stuff for a very long time, Bright Side Nights always been this cool thing that I've seen, but I've never really heard how it came about. So if you want to take uh, the last few minutes here uh, and tell the folks, I guess, first of all, if they're not already donating, what they can do to donate and add to it, uh, but how this kind of came about, because I think it's awesome.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, it was about seven years ago. We're sitting there, I'm, I'm sitting in my house, um, blogging on Bright Side of the Sun. I was about, uh, at the time, three or four years into it. We had a really good fan base. Uh, We were even then one of the few that was still free to, you know, to, to read all of our, and we still are. But um, even then everything was subscription model, even AZ Central and all that became subscription. We were one of the free ones out there. And I'm sitting there thinking, look, I need to give back to the community. And what I can do is I can, I can, I can use the platform that I've got on Bright Side of the Sun to help give back. More than I can by myself, because let's be honest, nobody wants to volunteer on weekends. So I'd rather raise money and donate to have somebody else do things. Uh, So what I decided on Brightside was why not use the use the fans we have. I knew we had 10,000 readers a day, 100, 200,000 unique readers a month Um, looking at our articles why not try to raise money to send underprivileged kids to a game? I had seen Blazersedge.com, which is the Portland Trailblazers version of SB Nation, um, had been doing that for a year or two, and they had raised a few hundred tickets uh, for kids, and they were doing it all by themselves. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of work. I couldn't do all that by myself. They were finding the kids, finding the schools to donate tickets to, buying tickets from the team, doing it all themselves, Blazers Edge, which was really awesome too much work for me. Um, so then, but then suddenly the sons actually called me, one of their group sales managers called me and says, Hey, Dave, how can we do a fundraiser thing? I can't remember if I reached out to them first or they reach out to me, but basically we, it was serendipitous. They said, we'll handle the tickets. We'll handle finding the kids. All you got to do is raise the money, buy the tickets, basically. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. So I'm like,
2: cool. Give me a website that people can donate through. Because I also didn't want to build the website myself. Give me a website people can donate through. I'll get my, my readers, our fans, Suns fans, to donate a couple of bucks to send kids to a game. And so we made a thing of it. First year, 800 tickets. Second year, 1,600, something like that. 1,200, yeah. And then third year, 1,800. Fourth year, 2,200. Fifth year, 4,400. And it just kept growing. And then the pandemic hit we took a year off and then we did first responders for one for a year Mm -hmm. and now we're back to the kids again because it's safe to go to games again and i'm just excited because what you do is like you guys all remember the first big sporting event you went to Mm -hmm. whatever whatever sport it is as a kid you're just like the wonder of the of being there in the stadium smelling the the concession food and sitting at your seats and hearing the cheering and didn't really matter who was playing, mm-hmm. right? It didn't really matter what the final score was. You might remember it because they might've been your favorite team you went to, but a lot of us just go to a game because we got invited. Um, that's what I wanted to give to a bunch of other people and especially kids who don't get smiles on their faces very often. Kids from you know that go to the low income, live in low income areas, and go to those kind of schools and all that. They don't get a lot of perks, so I wanted to give those perks out. And uh, this year, it's still only fifteen bucks a ticket, That's fifteen amazing. bucks, and the sons will match every donation. That's Robert Sarver. If you want to grab some dollars <laughs> away from Robert Sarver before he collects his one point five billion, <laughs> do it. sons are matching every donation. That means for fifteen bucks, you can send two kids to a game next week. So, we still have another week for donations. If you donate ten hundred and fifty bucks, uh yep, I'm creating and nurturing future suns fan. that's what I've been doing <laughs> for years. Yes, if you uh, donate ten, you get extra perks. You get your own tickets to the game, upper level, and you know those are not cheap anymore mm-hmm. um, and uh, And you get to go to the game too, and it's just really fun. If you donate even more, you get lower level. so go to suns.com slash brightside one word suns.com slash and then brightside without it without no spaces or anything like that suns.com slash brightside you can donate one ticket ten tickets two tickets whatever you want to donate and um the suns will match every donation there you go thank you suns.com slash bright side And donate, please, before the cutoff, right? And and look, we've gotten so much in donations this year. I also want to tell you, um, our angel investor, too, this year. Um, We've gotten so much in donations this year that we're going to be sending probably 8,000 kids.
0: That's unbelievable. That's amazing.
2: Now all of those can't be fifteen dollars tickets on the thirtieth because you know the Suns Arena is only seventeen thousand and most of those are in the lower. Can you imagine
1: them going out for a game and half of the arena is just small fans like? Well, yeah,
2: right. No, that would be awesome. And back when the Suns sucked, that was my dream to fill the entire (laughs) kids kids only night with kids only night. That was my dream. We never quite got there. And now the tickets are more expensive and there's only so many $15 seats. And obviously um, every game has been a sellout for the last year and a half. So there's not very many available seats. So about 40% of those kids will be going on bright side night next Monday. And the remaining 60% will be going in different nights. That's awesome. the rest of the season, because we just ran out of seats.
1: It's a good problem. We got,
2: we got tons of tickets. Yeah. So it's going to be bright side nights, bright side season, bright side, second half, whatever you want to call it um and a lot of that about uh let's see half of that is organic donations from you guys and tickets the other half is a big huge donation from the Ishbia brothers themselves they heard about brightside night i wrote a plea on brightside.com um ask asking them to make a donation and make an impact on the community before they get here they did they got they got through to me on christmas eve and donated a hundred thousand dollars to the cause. Now, there's not that many fifteen dollar tickets available, so <laughs> not it's not a straight fifteen bucks. You know, times a hundred thousand. It's um, it, they're going to be getting their their tickets are going to be distributed through the rest of the season. Uh, but that's going to be yeah, over eight thousand kids will be going to Suns games courtesy of Brightside this year.
0: That's awesome.
1: I hope the Ishbia show up for the uh, James Jones interview. I know that they probably have yeah, some great I already questions asked. for They're you. Not
2: going to be available. I'm pretty sure they've already talked to James.
1: Okay, well that's good. That's
2: good. <laughs> That'd be I great, mean, though.
1: i um, that's awesome. I'm glad that I know we've promoted it, participated um, over the years. For me, I remember first reading, seeing about it a long time ago, being stuck in Kentucky where I had ne- I had never been to a Suns game at that point. And so it was fun being able to, in my mind, be like, I'm helping some little Ethan out there who does get to go to that's a game. A, that's the other way you know to look I mean? at it.
2: We've got readers from like 200 different countries, mm-hmm. let alone the rest of the nation. You can send somebody in your place. This is your proxy yeah. to a yeah. son's game. And you know a kid is going to enjoy it. It's not going to be some, someone who just like, why am I even here? You know, they're going to really enjoy it. You can send 10 of them, 20 of them. Send a little army in your place.
0: Uh, yeah, I think I, I've, I've expressed this to Ethan and, and Philip before, and I think I've tweeted about it. But like, it's super cool that we get to do this podcast. But I think the most special part is the fact that we even get to play a small part in, in that thing that you've created to allow that. Like the fact that we even get to put that word out there and, and participate, um, and, and not just donate, but to actually get that is has been yeah, so cool that. to see, um, and it's just so special for us who who have you know yeah. been around the game since we were young who have loved the game since we were young who have admired the Suns from a distance um Dave it's just it's just a special thing man and we're we're happy to be a part of it the Matt Dave. when the Matt Ishbia news broke
1: I was like I was like before I would think this is really cool now I think that like wow I'm somehow involved in this tiny group that's doing a whole lot of good and that is it was really neat so thank you for doing that and all of, all of the work you've put in, I know you're enjoying your well-earned retirement from podcasting, but uh, we yeah. appreciate that we can still drag you out of, I guess, whatever dark cave you live in where you watch your games, uh, pull you into the well-lit room with a microphone. This and
2: This isn't the 1990s where we're all in our basements. I mean, come on. We're all out in the open now. This well, is a...
1: <laughs> we, we appreciate it. Uh, two quick mentions before we bring it to a close. For our audio listeners who said, wait a second, didn't Philip introduce himself in the first three minutes? He did. He, uh, unfortunately, he started feeling worse. Uh, but more importantly, uh, his sweet daughter started not feeling great as well. And so he hopped off. Um, so best to them. He was texting us updates throughout. Um, and then this is this is just because I, I don't want to ignore comment. Uh, Chris K asked in the comments about, the Vox SB nation stuff. Ah. We're going to go ahead and, and put kind of a pin on that one. I know that Dave will probably have something coming out in the next little bit as as we find out how we're affected. That's still some, some new stuff going on there. But when we find out, you guys will find out as well. Cause at the end of the day, we just want to make sure you're, you're getting the podcast that you enjoy listening to keep reading the stuff you enjoy reading. Um, and I, I can guarantee you that so will one still way be there. or
2: another, <laughs> we'll make sure into the valley stays going. We'll make sure that fanning the flames keeps going. And by the way, brightside of the sun.com is unaffected by the SB Nation cuts. So, we are one of the um NBA blogs that are staying around exactly as we are today. The podcasts, we may have to find different avenues for, but uh definitely the blog itself is is good to go.
1: Yeah. So, at the end of the day, you guys aren't getting rid of us quite yet. Um, we still got, we still got like 18 episodes to a hundred. Once we hit a hundred, then we can really start, uh, contemplating our Dave King retirement moves. Although I think he put in a little more than a hundred before, yeah. before making that call. <laughs> uh, but guys, again, Dave, thank you for joining us and in, in kind of waking up at your problem. I mean, I'm guessing your body's used to it at this point on oh, every yeah. Saturday. Um, I
2: wake up for work every every weekday, so I'm I'm too old to like be able to change my clock for weekends. I'm I know,
1: same same here. My wife is like, I'm going to sleep in on Saturday. I was like, I will wake up when I usually wake up because <laughs> yeah. that's how I'm programmed at this point. Uh, but guys, we've got a good slate of games, and more than anything, hopefully, a good slate of healthy Suns players coming back. Uh, we look forward to being back Saturday morning. Thank you guys who joined us here on YouTube and hopped in the comments and played a part in this. That has made doing this way more fun than just, than just talking into the mic. So we're enjoying this and hopefully you all are too. Again, thank you to Dave and for Ryan, Philip. I'm Ethan Shutt. This is Into the Valley of Phoenix Suns podcast. We out.